you're a parent, a student, or a staff member that takes Northern Nevada high school sports seriously. <laughs> you ain't seen nothing. This is the Battleborn Preps Podcast. If it's high school sports in Northern Nevada, we're not only talking about it, we're right in the middle of it. News and information you can trust. Let's do this. This is the Battleborn Preps Podcast. And now your host, Michael Reeves. This is the Battleborn Preps Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Reeves. And today, in the place of Brady Raggio, we have Lynn Alt. Lynn Alt is a contributor at Battleborn Preps, writes a ton of articles for us, does some great coverage at Damani Ranch. Lynn, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, man, thanks for the opportunity, Mike. This is going to be a lot of fun, buddy. Should be a blast. We are near the end of the regular season, getting ready to look at playoff pictures. But before we do any of that, we have an Ernie Howard interview that we filmed yesterday. Uh, we're going to go to that and then get some thoughts from Lynn when we come back in just a sec. I'm here with Ernie Howard, head coach of the Bishop and Oak Miners. Ernie uh, has has led the Miners to another very successful season. Coach, thank you so much for joining us this year. Yeah, thanks for having me, Michael. Um, coach, you know, we have quite a few different questions regarding, you know, not only what we've seen this season, but kind of how you prepare for the playoffs. And obviously we're getting near that last game of the regular season. How do you keep your guys from overlooking, you know, you guys have the number one spot pretty well held on to how do you keep them from overlooking a team like Damani ranch and starting to look at playoff brackets? You know, um, honestly, it, it's not hard this week of all weeks because, you know, there is a rivalry between us and Damani ranch and, uh, both sides play really hard and, you know, anybody could get anybody at any time. So I don't think there's going to be much for this particular week to get up for anything because I think our guys are pretty fired up as well as Damani's guys. Now that has been a rivalry in the past. Obviously, we see Damani Ranch with a new head coach in um, Coach Greg. You know, um, you have you've done a good job this season of preparing your guys. And one thing I've always admired about you is you get everybody playing in the games. I mean, obviously, I do stats for the Northern Nevada Football Coaches Association, and I see a new guy come in every week for you guys, making him play, adding more stats to his repertoire here. Um, how do you balance making sure your starters are getting enough playoff to, or play time to be ready for the playoffs while also bringing in that young core and getting them ready for upcoming seasons? Oh, I think it just, it, it's that Monday through Thursday. That's what it really comes down to is uh, practice every week. You know, are, are they getting the amount of reps that they need to get in and seeing the things they need to see of their opponent uh, Monday through Thursday? And and however Friday uh, takes us, uh, you know, that that's something that I think is actually better for us that we do get everybody in. So everybody is prepared in those moments when we might need somebody to step up uh, for whatever the reason is, somebody's sick, an injury, whatever it might be, uh, we have guys that are backing up that are ready to go. Now, we talked a little bit about having the guys overlook Damani Ranch, and you don't want that to happen, obviously. But, you know, 
one thing about your team is you guys are the number one seed. You've kind of locked it in. How do you keep the guys not only looking at this week, but once you get into the playoffs, how do you get them from being confident but not being overconfident that you're overlooking not just a Damani Ranch in the regular season, but potentially a Carson in the first game, potentially teams that you've beat already in the year? Yeah, uh, great question because, uh, you know, they're, they're young men. Um, they got a lot going on in their lives. There's a lot of distractions out there. I can tell you that uh, I've been very proud of this team in the last six weeks, how hard they practice and how hard the coaches uh, prep them during the week, Monday through Thursday. Uh, you wouldn't, uh, in my opinion, you know, going to practice, you wouldn't know that we've won six in a row, uh, seven in a row, because how hard the coaching staff is coaching and how hard the kids are working Monday through Thursday. Uh, you could definitely tell there is an edge that they're trying to create uh, during the week. Uh, and I think that that has really led to us not looking past anybody. Uh, and especially this week of all weeks, like I said, I mean, you watch the film, Damani is playing really well. They're, they're starting to come into their own. I mean, you know, Ty, you know, taking over like he did. I mean, you know, Ty's a, a great dude. And I mean, he, he, he had a hard situation with uh, what happened with the previous head coach and he steps in and, and volunteers to do it. Uh, I think he's done a great job and you can see the effort they've been putting in since he took over. It's really starting to come together. Now, one thing Brady and I and Lynn Ald have been talking about all year with the Miners is in the beginning of the year, obviously we talked about you want to get your team in the right position to win. Now, you guys started out with an incredibly tough schedule facing two very tough opponents. And, you know, uh, you guys started the season with a losing record after a couple of weeks, but then got back on track. You started playing some Northern Nevada opponents the way that you guys know how to. And uh, obviously, you did what I thought you would do. You you may have started with a tough opponent, but then you're you're getting hot at the right time. Um, when you're doing the schedule planning and when you're kind of figuring out what would be best for your kids, how do you how does that factor in playing the tougher opponent versus? Um, I mean, you know, some teams do want to get the easy wins in right away to get some momentum going. So how do how do you play that out? Uh, it's pretty simple. I mean, we use the same uh, template for every year. We want a team that uh, if we beat them, we know we're going in the right direction and we really like where we're at. Or we want a team that when they beat us, it exposes us a little bit and, and kind of shows us where we're at and where we kind of need to go as a program. And I really felt like those first two weeks – uh, yeah, the first game, obviously, that really got away with us. We kind of spotted the team 14 points, and it was tough to come back. But I, there were some things in there you could see. I was like, okay, we, we can do this. We can do this. We're going to be okay. And then we got to the next week, and we couldn't finish the game. And that was on us. And that was another uh, teaching moment for us. So it really gave us some stuff that we needed to use during practice, things that we needed to focus on. Uh, our reps on and I think we've gotten better at those things so I, I really think that that's something we've always done is we find those teams that are really going to kind of put us in a position where we're uncomfortable okay so last question and, and it's not really even a question it's more so I want you to brag on your kids because I saw you on Twitter this last weekend and uh, 
I mean, let's be honest. Uh, how how you don't have an offensive line, a defensive line, a linebacking crew, just a majority of your team, how they're not getting uh, some major D1 scholarships. I mean, I, I would, I'd be flabbergasted to not see a lot of these guys be playing at the next level. So what I'm going to do, a little bit of rapid fire, I'm going to name off some guys, you know, give me, give me some pros and why, why you think not only they should be playing at the next level, but what you've been excited about uh, this season. So we'll start with your son and I'll just rattle off since I've got your, your latest and greatest numbers. I haven't even sent this over to you yet, but he's uh, 134 for 222, uh, 2,271 passing yards, 34 touchdowns to four interceptions. What are you thinking about Logan's year? Uh, I couldn't be more proud of him. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, that first game, he threw a couple picks. I think he did have one touchdown in that game. But, you know, to start off the season with one touchdown and two picks and then to kind of get to where he's at eight weeks after that game, uh, that that's an attention to detail on his part. And, I mean, I know he's going to give credit to uh, the dudes he has a wide receiver because we have some really good wide receivers. Uh, and, obviously, the offensive line, they've just gotten better and better every single week. But, you know, the, the, there's a thing that Bro Logan brings to the games each week that uh, I'm really proud of him, and it's fun to watch him every single week. A guy we didn't talk a ton about in the preseason, but it's really come on late, uh, number 24, Cody Fleischman. He's got 65 carries, 459 yards, and a touchdown in his last four games, four touchdowns on the year. What do you say about Cody? Uh, you know, Cody is a really good running back. He keeps getting better and better. Uh, he's really got some physical tools. Um, you know, we had, you know, a three running back uh, group that we thought any of those three could be starting. And, and right now we're working with uh, Dom uh, Damani, who's done an outstanding job. He's had three great games in a row. And, and obviously Cody, you know, that's their focus right now. But, man, he is just – he keeps coming around. He's going to continue to get better and better. And I think we should expect some really big things out of him. Um, I hate to do this, but I'm going to rattle off like basically your whole receiving core, but they're all that good. Ben Scolari, let's start off 13 touchdowns. Wow. 960 yards. Just impressive. He's averaging 25.9 yards per reception. I mean, that is unreal. Yeah. I'll tell you, uh, you know, I haven't seen all the guys down in Vegas, but they're you, you're hard pressed to, to tell me there's a guy better than him. He's in the top three, you know, two or three in the state right now, uh, the way he's playing. Um, amazing attention to detail, whether it's uh, understand the scheme or route running, breaking on a dime. I mean, I'm really impressed with him. Uh, he's fun to be around, and uh, he's only going to get better. He's only a junior. Dom Marconato, uh, 10 touchdowns, 477 yards, just kind of has that knack for getting, the, getting in the end zone. Yeah, don't forget he's got a rushing touchdown. He's also got a, a kickoff return for a touchdown. You know, uh, put the ball in Dom's hands and uh, good things happen. And he's a really competitive dude that uh, really just wants the ball a lot. And, uh, you know, I, I've been very impressed with him this season. A guy that I thought was going to have a terrific year. Uh, started off a little slow, but he's really coming on. Marshawn Brown, uh, two touchdowns, 435 yards. Uh, 10.6 yards per reception. Yeah, I mean, uh, 
you know, I said it, uh, you mentioned the tweets, so I'll just say, you know, I said that in the tweets, and I'm, I'm really proud of Marshawn because he started the season off with a high ankle sprain that really slowed his progress at the beginning of the season. And I think that's why if you go back and look at his last three, four games, I think he's averaging like eight or nine receptions a game. He's got a few touchdowns. Uh, you know, things are really starting to show that he is who he is. He's a dude and he's a, he's a freak out there. And, uh, and uh, it's starting to really show. You want to talk about a dude. I, I, I saw your tweet on this guy, and I, I absolutely love his numbers. I don't know how a college coach of not just D3 JUCOs, D2, you know, I don't know how a D1 school doesn't have him as their next tight end, but Christian Ingman, I mean, 21 catches, 317 yards, seven touchdowns, 15.1 yards per reception. Come on, get out of here. Yeah, he's uh... – He's a physical specimen. I mean, I really, really am impressed with him. And, and I mean it when I say that, when I tweet that, I'm shocked that he doesn't have more D1 scholarships. Uh, he is, if you want a tight end, he's the whole package. And, you know, extremely gifted hands. Uh, he catches everything. I mean, he makes some circus catches in practice. It's ridiculous. And he's done a couple this season in games for touchdowns. Uh He's, he's impressive, and I, I really hope that by the end of the season he'll be having a signing party because he, he's finally caught, somebody's caught on and, and, and gone after him, giving him a full ride. Doesn't hurt when you've got Parker Houston uh, working with you as a coach. So Yeah, that helps. Uh, Ma we'll go to the defensive side. Mario Williams, Jr., I told you after our preseason interviews, the kid – not only has the talent on the football field, but he's in tune with what's happening with himself maturing. Um, you know, I talked to a, every team. I talked to at least three to five kids and he was one of the more cerebral in tune with his feelings, understanding what he's doing as a young man. And I'm really impressed with him, not only off the field, but on the field as well. Yeah. He's one of our best leaders. Uh, he's been a captain uh, almost every single week. Uh, and it's because of what he does on and off the field, uh, what he brings to practices. Uh, he's the whole package. And, you know, I know that the knock, when I say a knock, if you're going to look for anything, the reason that he's not getting more uh, Division One love at this moment is just because of his height. And uh, that's a conversation that Marshawn and I, I – mean, Marshawn, I apologize. Mario and I will have when we get to that point about him – uh, making a decision if he goes to a JC or if he walks on at a D1 place. And then, cause he'll be a scholarship guy. As soon as he walks on a D1 campus and he shows what he can do, they will scholarship him. Uh, he may not get it right away, but he will get it. Uh, that, he's the whole package. And, and his games have just gotten better and better. People have to realize this is a guy that was a D lineman for his entire career. He just decided to stand up and play linebacker this season. Uh, so he's still kind of like he's learning on the run, essentially. And uh, you can see the wheels are turning and things are getting more and more comfortable and a lot more easy to be on his feet. Uh, like I said, I think we haven't even seen his best yet. Absolutely. Unreal numbers. I mean, he's 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 doing really well. I mean, you can't you can't say enough about him. But uh, another guy you really touched on at the beginning of the year, you said he plays almost violently and and we know what you mean by that i mean obviously that can be taken out of out of uh context but when you're talking about between 
the hash marks between the whistles. This guy plays violent, but he's also a great kid. And I had the opportunity to talk to him earlier this year. Gio Granada, love what I'm seeing out of him. He's got a forced fumble. He's got over 40 total tackles. I mean, real deal. Yeah, I mean, he's another one of our team leaders. Uh, we're lucky to have him as another linebacker. I mean, him and Mario, uh, KK, just all these guys that, that play linebacker for us, we're really fortunate. And, and Gio just – he just – again, he's another whole package guy. You know, we, we've got a handful of these guys, and, and that's there's a reason we're being successful is because we got these kids that – just they come to practice and they work hard and then they get to games and then they take what they learn in practice and they apply it. And then, like you said, he is violent at contact. Always. You're going to get Gio's best when he's hitting you. One guy I talked to uh, additionally in the preseason that, you know, I didn't know personality wise how he is because he's very, very quiet, but he lets his play speak for itself. He's on the field. He's got two fumble recoveries. He's got a forced fumble. He is Celesi Manu with 35 total tackles. I mean, real deal. Yeah. I mean, he's just such a presence coming off the edge. I mean, he commands combo, you know, double teams every single play because he's so physical and so fast. Uh, he, uh, yeah, he's gifted. I mean, he's got more offers coming. He's got three right now, more coming. He's a dude. And then – Last but not least, your kicker. And I, I don't – sadly, I don't keep all your kicking stats, but speak to the young man because I've been impressed. The games I got to see, I mean, pretty unreal. Yeah, he's uh, – he'll get a he'll get an uh, offer someplace here soon enough. Uh, you don't you don't kick over 75% of your kickoffs into the uh, end zone every single time. And let's not forget, you know, we've done different things, you know, squibbing kicks and things like that. Uh, as far as opportunities to put it in the end zone, he's over 90% when you break down his kicking. Uh, you know, he's hit a couple long 35, 40 yard plus field goals in practice. He's hitting 50, 55. Uh, and not to mention he can punt. He's averaging, I think like 45, 47 yards a punt. Um, and he's got some, he's got some great speed. He, he can run some fakes for you too. Well, correct me if I'm wrong. He's still a junior. Exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah. You got a lot of time to grow. So yeah, Michael just going to get better. And it's, it's pretty unreal seeing, uh, the kicking talent of a lot of Northern Nevada teams. I mean, it's just getting better up here, but yeah, you got a few teams that have some great kickers. Any anything else uh, you you want to say to the fans or anyone else about not just this game but uh, your playoff hunt and uh, what what you want to do the rest of the way out? No, you know I I, I think uh, our offensive line probably doesn't get enough credit. I mean, you know when you're averaging as much as we are offensively, somebody's blocking for those receivers and quarterbacks and running backs, and you know we're led by uh, Alex Enard, you know. Uh, he likes to call himself Bulldog, I think. I, I, <laughs> I don't know. He's appointed his own nickname. Uh, and if you know Alex, that's typical Alex. Uh, but he's an outstanding young man. I love having Alex out there. He keeps things light. Uh, and he takes coaching. Even when it's hard and in his face, he takes it. And uh, he's been a huge leader for us as a senior on that offensive line. I mean, you know, we have a couple juniors. We have a couple sophomores. Uh, and one senior, and uh, that's not easy to do 
And we've kind of leaned on Alex to be that guy, that example guy for us. And uh, been very fortunate uh, to have had Alex on varsity now for three years. And uh, it's really paying off. Definitely. And I remember at the beginning of the year when Cal went down, uh, I was wondering how that would play into your game plans. And, you know, every, every head coach talks about the cliche next man up, but it truly was next man up. And Alex really took the torch and just uh, ran with it. I mean, uh, tremendous, tremendous job by the offensive line that you've had, but obviously in the past you've had great guys. I mean, Everybody knows about the Austin Corbett of the world, but Siope, I know he's gonna he's gonna do big things in college football. You you've just had some guys over the years, and that not only speaks to you, but um, the coaches that you have under you as well. Yeah, we're really fortunate to have those guys. Well, thank you so much for the time, Coach, and uh, we'll we'll catch up with you here hopefully later in the playoff hunt. Thanks, Michael. Thanks for having me. So, Lynn, what do you think about that interview? Hey, first of all, class act. I absolutely love Coach Howron. Outstanding coach, individual, a leader of young men. Uh, if you have the opportunity for your son to play for him, take it. He's going to do a great job. I know some of the coaches on the staff there. So, yeah, absolute class act. Um, some interesting things. I like how he ta- explained how he balances out playing time between the starters and the second and, and third string guys. Uh, you could really pick up the importance of practice time. Minogue really stresses the importance of that practice time and really got the sense, Michael, that, man, they have some battles. Those guys must really go at it during practice. And then uh, really keeping the guys focused. And, man, he he is a, he's an advocate for his players, whether it's online, in person, with a, co- with a visiting college coach, coordinator, recruiter. He's going to battle for his guys. Definitely is, and I I think back to our preseason podcast, our countdown to kickoff series, where we talked to Ernie Howron and the guys in the locker room and out on the field, and you know it's just uh, it's very competitive when you get out to Bishop Minogue, uh, very fiery, competitive, always want to be at the top type of competition when you're talking about not just games but practice, and and you really see it. And one thing I really took away from their practices is. You know, I I asked to interview all these players and coaches, and they all practice and have weightlifting sessions at different times. But the one thing about Ernie Howren, most of them are doing 8 to 11 or or maybe an evening practice uh, like I went to in Carson. No, Ernie Howren has his practice in the afternoon when it's warmest in the heat of July and August. So very interesting when you look at – does that maybe shape and mold how some of the players mm. take and uh, just get ready for that season? So we're going to get into some of the games last week. We had some really, really good games. Uh, I'm going to kick it off with one of the best rivalries in the history of Nevada. Carson was hosting Douglas. The Senators, after what could have been a heroic drive by the Tigers, the Senators come out on top. It was a score of 12-11. to 11. 12 to 11, excuse me. Lynn, did you get any takeaways when you saw that final score or anything you heard from anyone out at the game? Well, I was wondering first, is it a high-scoring baseball game or maybe a lacrosse score? 12 to 11. But uh, I was a little surprised, Mike. I'll be honest. I thought Douglas was going to get him this year. Definitely. A lot of us thought that Douglas, you know, uh, coming off of that loss the year before against Carson where Carson kicked the walk-off field goal, 
This one was a tough matchup for both teams. The offenses had moments where they just did not look like they were clicking and getting things rolling. Uh, but when Carson needed to get that key turnover late, they got it done, and that was a very clutch moment for the Senators. I so, love that tight end that the Tigers have. Big guy. Oh, yeah. 88, 89. I called him Baby Gronk when the Mustangs were down there a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, he, he definitely has some talent. That's for sure. We're going to move into our next game. This one, uh, both teams have really been competitive all year, but this was a close game, um, a good close final score. The McQueen Lancers traveled to Reno High to face the Huskies. It was 16 for the Lancers, 21 for the Huskies. Huskies came out on top. I know that Brady and I predicted Reno, but it was a lot closer than a lot of people thought it would be. You know, the Lancers, I don't know if they know. And it's, you could say the same thing about a lot of teams in the North this year. What are the Lancers? Are they a big play team? Are they a run team? You think about those classic McQueen teams. They're going to pound the ball and they're going to play tight defense. Is that what this team is? I, I think they're struggling with an identity issue, Michael. You know, something that a lot of teams are, as you touched on, uh, looking for the identity. I mean, there are teams that are great running game, that have great running games, but then have situations where you see their run game get stopped and then they have to go to the pass game and, and they can't get it going. That's one thing I've seen that Reno has struggled with. Drew Dutton, their star receiver, has kind of been one of those guys that, you know, when he's going, the rest of the team can be going. But when defenses bracket him and close him down and double cover that receiver, you, you find it tough for a lot of other receivers and tight ends to make receptions and uh, keep the Reno passing game going. So very close game, um, closer than we thought it would be. But good game, as always, when we're talking about rivalry week. Well, how we about talk- that Dio Richardson, 114 yards? You know, Dio did not have – the breakaway start to the year that we all thought he would uh, didn't get carries in the first couple of games. Uh, And I don't know what the reasoning is behind that, but I can tell you that Dio has really come on and just been one of those players that kind of at the beginning of the year, you wondered if he was going to meet expectations. Well, at this point of the season, he's exceeding expectations. Yep. Now we move into our next game. The Reed Raiders traveled up to Spanish Springs in Sparks. Uh, Both teams from Sparks, both teams just a few miles away from each other. I mean, it's a real good game every single year. We always have a good regular season matchup, but sometimes we're even blessed to see a great postseason matchup. Mm. So the Reed Raiders won that one. It was 28-25, just that close of a game, Lynn. And when you're talking about rivals, it's always a good one. I know that Brady Pittick, predicted Spanish Springs. I predicted Reed 35-31. I mean, it, it could have gone either way. That was a second half game because the Cougars had the lead 10-7 at the half. That they did. That they did. It was, you know, when you've got guys like Fireball that are Ooh. rushing the way that he is, it's it's pretty unreal to see. 40 carries, 251 yards, 6.3 yards per carry, three touchdowns. He is a force of nature at this point. We have another game that we did see last week. We didn't touch on this one yet, but I know this one's near and dear to Lynn's heart. The Damani Ranch Mustangs for the Battle of the Cross saw went to Galena High School, played the Grizzlies, and 
everything we saw in the beginning of the year was all Galena. Well, yeah. now when we get into league play, it's getting a little bit tighter. Uh, the Damani Ranch Mustangs won this one 56-12. to 12. Uh, Lynn, what do you see from the Mustangs? And then on the flip side, the Galena Grizzlies. Well, first of all, the Grizzlies are they have some injury issues. I had a great talk with uh, Coach Lawrence both before and after the game. And, you know, a couple of guys are banged up, and that's just something that everybody has to deal with. Uh, Damani's definitely starting to play their way of ball. And I like that Coach Howard mentioned that, that, yeah, they had a tough start, tough start to the season, but now they're really coming on. They're playing to the mantra, fast and mean. Galena really struggled. They couldn't establish the run game. If you factor in sacks, they had negative five yards rushing for the for the night. Uh, Damani piled up a couple hundred yards rushing. And then, you know, once you guys start loading that box up, then that opens up the pass game. And Cooper Anderson throws a beautiful long ball, Michael. Cooper definitely does. He's he's gotten better as the seasons come along. And, you know, it's tough when you got Jet Norman and Drew Vargas and guys like that at the beginning of the season coming down with injury. And then, yeah. you know, um, excuse me, not just the receivers, but you also saw some other complementary pieces on defense that had injuries for the Mustangs in the beginning of the year. So tough all the way around when you're talking about what happened uh, to that team at the beginning of the year compared to what they're doing now. They're peaking at the right time. It's all that matters when it comes to playoff time. And you want to talk about a team that's doing real well. Well, our last game of last week was the Las Vegas Wildcats traveled to the Bishop Minogue Miners up here in northern Nevada. It was 55-14 to 14 for the Miners. Good game for Bishop Minogue. I thought it'd be a little closer, but just shows to the powerhouse that Bishop Minogue is. They are rolling. They're firing on all the cylinders going into the playoffs. Well, the last week of the regular season, and then love the Coach Howard talked about well, keeping the guys focused. Got one, one more game before those playoffs start. But, yeah, Michael, they're rolling. That they are, and, you know, I touched on some of the guys with Coach Howron in the interview. Uh, you got guys like Celesi Manu. You've got guys like Mario Williams, K.K. Crawford, uh, just a ton of players that are just uh, very fast to the ball, physical, and uh, and that's not just on defense, but offensively, uh, offensive linemen that don't get enough recognition in any football game but uh, have really held together the minors well this year. And props to you for bringing up the kicker, man. Love it. You kicker. know, we, ha we have a ton of kickers in northern Nevada. I mean, McQueen's, uh, Carson's, uh, Spanish Springs, uh, Bishop and Oak. I know there's a lot of kickers. Oh, yeah, Joe Brown, Damani Ranch. I forgot about him. You know, there's. I'd say this is one of the better kicking years we've seen in northern Nevada, at least Absolutely. in the last decade. Yeah. You know, it's funny because, you know, in those, pre those early season games, a lot of our Northern Nevada teams are playing California teams. I don't know what's in the water there. All those California teams have fantastic kickers. Yeah, something that, you know, we traditionally saw Carson and McQueen always kind of sure. be in those powerhouses with kickers. I mean, we've seen uh, kids from both of those programs go play at Nevada and uh, play at a good level. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, this year has been definitely above average, if not more than advertised. So, We'll go into this week, the fun games. So the first one we have on tap, the Reno Huskies, who are 5-3 and three overall, but 3-2 and two in league, are going to Sparks, and they're going to be traveling to the Reed Raiders, who are 5-3 and three overall, league 4-2. and two. 
big game as you look at those league records of three and two and four and two. That's why we gave this our designation of battle of the week. Lynn, this is going to be a good one. Yeah, Mike, uh, this is going to be a really good one. Year in, year out, the Huskies, they, they have as much size as anybody in the North. They got great skill guys, but there always seems to be something that just doesn't coalesce for the Huskies. It'll be interesting to see if they can bring it together and beat Reed on their own field. And to do that, you have to slow down Spencer Fireball. Yeah, and Reno's got to kind of figure out the run game a little bit themselves. I talked about Drew Dudden being their primary receiver target, but we all expected this time this year, based on last year's information, that Nico Amari would be playing a bigger part. We're looking at Summers. We're looking at Worthen. We're looking at a ton of different guys for Reno. Mm. It's not Amari as of late. So yeah. you need to take a look at him and see what's happening on that Reno offense. What do you got for predictions, Len? Boy, I think slowing down Fireball is going to be really difficult for anybody in the remainder of the season. And even if you imagine to do that, then you got to contend with Dakota Dunlap. Oh, yeah, a really good Northern Nevada quarterback. So I'm going to go Reed. Reed's going to win their final game on the home uh, field, senior night, all that great stuff, Michael. I, I also contend with... Um, to believe that Reed's going to win this one. My prediction is 35-31. 35-31. I'm going to go 35-21. 35-21. Got yeah. it. And Brady also predicted Reed in this matchup. So should be a good one all the way around. Absolutely. We have the Bishop Minogue Miners, Lynn. They're going to be traveling to Damani Ranch High School. Two very good teams. You talk about Bishop Minogue. They're 7-2 and two overall. Um, they've got a league record of 6-0. and oh. uh, Very good games. They, 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 as we talked about in that interview, had some tough games in the beginning of the year. And then they built on that. Well, the same thing can be said about the Damani Ranch Mustangs, their host, Tough, tough games in the beginning. Then they come into it and just get better as the season goes along. Yeah, I thought Ernie made a great point in the interview when he brought up that in those non-league early season games, you really want to play teams that can make you uncomfortable and that can expose your weaknesses because that's how you get better. Definitely is. Uh, my prediction on this one is Bishop and Oak 42-21. I think it's going to be a little bit too much for the Mustangs. Uh, Bishop and Oak's been firing on all cylinders, and Brady also took Bishop and Oak. What about you, Lynn? <laughs> Once again, I'm in the tough spot of having to pick between my team and the other team. Michael, the Mustangs are going to rise to the occasion, and it's going to be a close affair. It's going to come down to the last second. Jet Norman going to come with a big play. And it's going to be 35-34 Mustangs. I like it. I like it. You know, you got to stick with your home team. You got to stick with the people you announce for, for sure. Um, Any other you know, way, they would be throwing fruits and vegetables at me in the booth. You never know because, hey, look at Demonte Ranch in Reno just a few weeks ago. That was an unexpected result. Absolutely. Well, our next game is going to be one we don't have a ton of information on, but uh, – one that I, I know Carson's going to be riding high from. The Carson Senators, who are 2-7 and seven overall, 1-5 and five in league, they're traveling to the Fernley Vaqueros, 
who are three and six overall. Uh, could be interesting to see what Carson does this week. I think that's a sneaky good game. Fernley, it's a team that plays hard. They play fast. But I think Carson's going to have a little something extra, that mojo coming out of the big rivalry win. So I'm going to go Carson, 28, Fernley, 21. That's a good prediction. Carson, I have them winning as well, 21-14. It'll be very interesting to see what they do. Yeah. Already knowing that they can't really gain position in the playoff bracket, Mm -hmm. but they are in the playoffs after that win against Douglas last week. Uh, Brady also took Carson in that game. Our next game, the Spanish Spring Cougars are traveling down to Douglas uh, to play the Tigers. The Tigers are 1-7, 0-5 in league, and just odd man out when it comes to the playoff picture. And Spanish Springs is 4-5 and five with that 3-2 and two record in league that could really change things. Um, while this may not get Douglas into the playoffs, they don't want to have a complete season where they can't get a win. And then you have on the other end, Spanish Springs, who is three and two in league and they're, they're fighting for position and want to want to be near the top. So you don't want to see a three and three league record when you can do a four and two record. Yeah, absolutely. However, I think the Cougars are just going to be a little too much for the Tigers to handle. And even though it is going to be senior night down there, and you talk about a great experience. I love going to games down in Douglas. Uh, I think it's just going to be too much Spanish Springs for the Tigers. So I'd go probably 28-14. I agree with you. Uh, The Tigers are a little overmatched in this one. But you talk about the games down there. You've got the Douglas Band, uh, who's led by led by a band leader that's been doing it for decades. You've got Job's Peak in the background on the Sierra Range there, just on the other side is Heavenly, uh, especially when you've got that beautiful 7 o'clock kickoff. You've got uh, the orange sky coming in. There's nothing better. I mean, it, it just is one of those once-of-a-lifetime experiences if you're not from the area you yeah. have to experience. So. Um, I have the Spanish Springs Cougars winning this one, 35-21. Brady has Spanish Springs winning as well. Okay. I just think Douglas is just a little too much offensively to ask of them to win this one. Spanish Our, Springs great offensive sets, man. Yeah, they, they do have some great offensive sets. Um, and they're still, you know, we talk about those teams that are trying to figure out who they are. Uh, they're still one of those. I mean, they, they want to know what they can do better, how they can improve things, and just kind of go from there. Our last game of the week, this one could have been a contender for Battle of the Week, and I know prediction-wise we have some interesting takes on this one, so I'll let you take the floor. Uh, The Galena Grizzlies traveling up to North Reno uh, to play the McQueen Lancers. Galena is 5-4 overall, 2-3 in league, while McQueen is 3-5 overall, 2-3 in league. So you've got a couple of two and three league teams and it's, can I get a better playoff spot than you? And you start bracket hunting. So uh, what say you, Lynn? Really love what Coach Cook is doing at Galena. Uh, tremendous improvement over the last couple of years. Uh, Joe Lawrence has brought some spice to the program. I love what he's brought to them. Uh, it's really exciting to see what's going on there. They have some playmakers on both sides of the ball. I love Imzy. Uh, the crowd's quick to remind you that he's only a sophomore. 
and then you got Sis, Primka. However, I don't think they can really establish the run game. I think that that might be something the Lancers are able to capitalize on and force them into those passing situations, which then I think plays into the Lagrones hands up there. And so, once again, a great place to watch a game. I love going to games at McQueen. I think the Lancers are going to get the Grizzlies. I'd probably go 32 to 21. Well, and it's a game that truly comes down to health. I know you're taking McQueen. I'm going to go the opposite direction. I'm going to take Galena, 21-17. And we talk about health. Two weeks ago, Ben Primka tried to go out there, and he wasn't healthy. He wasn't ready. Dre Watson had to come out and uh, get some play for the Grizzlies. You know, if Primka can come back and play the way he did early in the season and that Grizzly program can not just accept their fate of, hey, we did well out of league, we're going to kind of go downhill after that. No, they're a good program. They're a proud program, and Coach Cook, I believe, has them on the right track. I think the Grizz have that at 21-17. It's going to be a disagreement between you and me, and Brady's picking your side. He's he's the third man in this mix. He's taking the McQueen Lancers, so could okay. be a very interesting one uh, when we're looking at it at the end of the year. Now, we looked at all the regular season games. Lynn, before I say goodbye, we have uh, – let me just rattle off the league records here in order. Bishop Minogue is 6-0. That's not going to change much at all uh, one way or the other, even if Damani has the upset. Only thing that will change is morale. Uh, Reed is 4-2 and two because they had that wonky non-league game with Reno earlier in the year. And then these teams are three and two, Spanish Springs, Damani Ranch, and Reno. So they're three and two, so they're jockeying for position. And then Galena and McQueen are two and three. So all could be very viable in that in that three through like seven spot. Very, very contentious spots there. And then you've got Carson who's in the playoffs no matter what, but they're one and five and they can't change their position. And then Douglas is 0-5, the odd man looking out, as we discussed earlier. Uh, Lynn, obviously the matchups are intriguing. Any of those teams you could see either rising high or or uh, saying, hey, we don't want to play Minogue right out the bat. We're going to drop down a little bit. You know, Michael, I, I, I really key in on 3, 4, 5, and 6. Spanish Springs, Damani, Rena McQueen. And I think this week might go a long way toward answering the question that you just posed to me, which is who can get hot. Hopefully somebody can go into the playoffs sparking a fire and then able to make a run that could make our playoffs a little more interesting. Reed's a really a powerhouse. Minogue is sitting at the top of the league, obviously. Can one of those teams keep something going, get something going here this last week, this week, and going into the playoffs, and then pick up a couple wins? Yeah, all very good teams. Uh, we discussed it earlier on the podcast, just all trying to figure out, you know, they, they probably all know 80% of what they want to do throughout the game, but, you know, it takes getting to that 100% to figure out your identity and figure out what works for your team. So mm-hmm. I think all very good teams. I could definitely see Damani Ranch, uh, while they may not get the win this week, just coming in a little more confident, keeping it closer than what they may think. Uh, obviously, you pick them. I think the Reno Huskies, this is a huge game for them. If 
if they can knock off Reed, um, obviously a lot of things change because absolutely, you know, you could have a a couple of four and two teams, and then uh, Reno would have the tiebreaker over Reed. So uh, while we're intrigued with that three through seven, that two is still up for grabs. So big game for Reno and uh, Reed there, and it could just be a big one all the way around. We're not going to know how this shakes up until probably about 10 o'clock Friday night, but it should be very exciting all the way around. Lynn, any final takes before we end this one? And the Cougars. Cougars could go down to Douglas, put up a great showing, go into the playoffs hot, rattle off a couple of victories. The Lancers, maybe they fit. You don't know? Never know. You never yeah. know. That's why they play the game. We can we can prognosticate or prognosticate every everything any way on paper, but you never know how it's going to end up. These playoffs well, are going to be good, buddy. It's going to be real good, and we will probably have you back before it's all said and done. Brady, you'll be back next week. We're going to try to get more coaches' interviews. It should all be fun. I'm Michael Reeves alongside Lynn Alt. And this is the Battleborn Preps Podcast. You've been listening to the Battleborn Preps Podcast. If you're a parent, student, or staff of Northern Nevada High School Sports, you can always trust us with news and info. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, find us on Twitter at Battleborn Preps. And for schedules, news, and more info, hit the website at bbpreps.com. See you next time on the Battleborn Preps Podcast.